Hello again, everyone, and welcome to episode number 65 of the Jersey Wall podcast. Mina, so good to see you again. Thank you for joining me yet. For Great to see week. you too. I feel like this is the most consistent that we've ever recorded. Like we used to do episodes that yeah. would be, you know, we'd do like three a week and then we wouldn't do one for a couple of weeks and then we'd come back. But now every Monday, you know, a new episode of the Jersey Wall is coming. I get to see your beautiful face. I get to hear your wonderful voice and I get excited. I know. And it wasn't always the two of us, right? It was, it, sometimes it was other guests coming on. Maybe Joel was there and yeah. we would fluctuate between us. But yeah, now it's consistent. I get to see you every week and I get to see your beautiful wall every week. Exactly. And speaking of my beautiful wall, this will be something that uh, for you guys who are listening, this will be something to get excited about. If you want to own a little piece of the Jersey wall, now you can. Shoot me a DM at the Nathan Santos on Instagram. Uh, and just ask me for one of these wonderful Jersey Wall stickers. Obviously, you guys can't see it on screen here, but I'm showing Mina. They're awesome. That picture Phenomenal. my Jersey Wall with the logo of the Jersey Wall written on it. Actually, if you are subscribed to this uh, to this channel already, then you already know what the Jersey Wall logo looks like. It's that. You can put that on a laptop sticker. You can put that on on a water bottle. Anywhere that you want to put a laptop sticker, you can. And this is that new wave of Jersey Wall merch for anyone who's interested and I know you and I are always interested in our own merch. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We had uh, we had the cards. We had <laughs> yeah. The we were thinking about getting oh, yeah. some uh, some mugs being getting done and stuff like that. So, Mouse yeah. pads, everything. We gotta have, uh, and it's just the two, just hats, the two of us. <laughs> literally, bro. We got to make some hoodies, just cool stuff. And then if absolutely. anybody actually wants to rep the jersey wall and be one of the like founding members of of the fan club, all the power to them. These will For go down in history you, one day. Yeah. For those of you who didn't see it, it's the same thumbnail that's on wherever you're listening to. Wherever you're listening to this too, it's the same thumbnail and it's phenomenal. And it's awesome. And it's going to go right. I just have to decide where I'm going to put on my laptop sticker because you know my, or on my laptop rather, because you know I have like a thousand laptop stickers on mine. I have none. Keep it clean. I have to decide. Well, see, this is the thing. I feel like I have to ease my way into tattoos because i really like tattoos and <laughs> i don't know if i want to but i don't know if i'm going to get tattoos i mean they're expensive man and laptop stickers are like they two are expensive. Bucks. and tattoos are like well i mean i guess you can get cheap tattoos but why would you ever want to get a cheap tattoo like you also get a bonus a bonus uh, std with that if you want yeah, <laughs> so yeah. it's a two for the low low one. price of twenty dollars for a <laughs> tattoo you can get hepatitis <laughs> uh speaking of getting things uh you were telling me that you um, had something shoved inside you today, and let's give our listeners. It was a not a pleasant experience. Let's get our let's give our listeners a chance to guess what it was that was shoved inside of you today, based on the context of our conversation. I bet you won't be able to guess it. It was one uh, of the orifice orifices, one of the multiple <laughs> ones on on my body. It was not pleasant. It was long. I can tell you that it was round, and uh, it went pretty deep. <laughs> Boy. In case you're wondering what it was, it was a cotton swab that went right up Mina's nose, into his brain, into his throat, and came out of his asshole. And boy, That's was it unpleasant, right? That's pretty much how it went. Yep. They basically went fishing yep. inside of you. Mate, honestly, I've <laughs> never had anything shoved up me so much. And th- listen, this isn't my first COVID test. You might just be saying, Mina, come on, man up, right? Right. It's, it's just a COVID test. Everyone gets it. Yeah, I, and I would agree. The first two times were not nearly as violent as this. <laughs> Listen, when I tell you, Did the I guy sneezed while administrating it, and he just shoved it in a little bit further no, back. No, like, but she Tew. told me she told me you can sneeze, 
And I was like, I won't need to sneeze. And then I heard it. I heard the cotton swab. <laughs> in okay? <out> your ear. <laughs> I genuinely heard it. And she held it in there for like five seconds. She's like, one, two, three, four, no, bullsh- five. No I'm not. I'm no, not. It was definitely in there for half all. a second. That felt it like wasn't. 15 minutes. She counted down from five to one. I'm not even kidding. Bro, I would have genuinely counted Not only down. it out of my nose, but her arm off with it. I was like, afraid. I was afraid it would take my inner ear out with it. What if it connected to my brain? You popped We your know ancient from the Egyptians. Other side. <laughs> yeah, we know ancient Egyptians used to suck brains out of people after they die from their noses. What if what if through evolution my nose can carry <laughs> my brain just because I'm Egyptian? Did that happen? They used to scoop it up. Oh my god. They're like, I will eat your brain and then I will be smarter and then we'll no, build the they pyramids. Put it, they used to put it in jars and then they put it with because they thought that you could regenerate and come back and then you ah, come back into it. So nice. Yeah, they basically pickled your brain until you yeah. came back and, and got it. So maybe through evolution, my nasal canal can be expanded because I'm Egyptian to the size of my brain. So, you know, it's funny. The other week, uh, Leah was telling <laughs> I felt stupid. I got the words navel and nasal confused. <laughs> <laughs> So she was talking about somebody getting their navel pierced and I thought it was their nose. <laughs> and it's like, no, it's your belly button, your navel. I'm like, what? I was like, what? How so did I get that me wrong? Arugula is not a cheese. <laughs> hey, shut up. Arugula is a cheese. Everybody, you know what? For those of you who don't know, bet right now, arugula. Do you think it's a vegetable or a cheese? And you can vote. And we'll, we'll have like a voting. I'll put on my Instagram story. Listen, you don't need to vote. It's, no, you do need to vote. It's a because, vegetable. You know, you remember the episode of How Me Your Mother where Barney tried to pay that band to sing the song when he found yeah. out that it wasn't them who sang it? That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to invent yeah. a cheese. I'm going to ferment a cheese <laughs> that's going to be horrible. I'm going to call it arugula cheese. Because, I mean, doesn't that just sound good? Arugula. You want to melt it all over your pizza? Ooh. Come on. You're just looking at me. Don't give them radio silence. You know arugula cheese would be damn good. No. Arugula plus cheese on a pizza would be phenomenal. I just thought, I remember that seeing already it in exists. and thinking that it was redundant. I'm like, you're telling me you have arugula and che- so it's just two types of cheeses <laughs> on, on this sandwich? Boy, it should be, it would be nice if you guys added some like, some leaves or something to it. And they're like, uh, yeah, dude, maybe some like exactly greenery. Like, yeah. Like some maybe lettuce, something that looks like spinach, spinach. but it's more like, kind of like a rocket if that's, you know, something no like rockets. that. Yeah. And sure enough, ridiculous. That's exactly what it was. Anyway, everybody, we hope you enjoyed our little, our little conversation about nonsense to kick off today's show. Uh, the focus of today's episode is actually, I mean, I guess it's going to be pretty nonsensical. Um, where to begin? I can't begin to know when. Harry Kane <laughs> and, and Hyun Min Son. Listen, there's a problem. Houston, we have a problem. And it's the fact that Tottenham are actually looking quite good. And I know, believe me. Uh, you don't have to convince me that Tottenham will do what Tottenham do, and that is bottle it. But when Harry Kane has 18, 18 goal involvements in 11 games, that's unacceptable. I don't know what to do. Th- this just, know, right? un- Dude, that's the greatest. Most of them aren't even goals from a striker. Well, no, He's leading have- an assist. Right. Eight of them are goals and 10 of them are assists from, uh, to be fair, he's been playing at the number 10 this season, really. Yeah, it's just, it's been kind of weird. Like he's been playing as a false, it's Tottenham have found a way on the counter to play with a 10 and a false nine, which isn't mm. supposed to be able to work. <laughs> Usually if you play with a 10, nope. you play with a direct nine. Yep. But they're like, no, 
No, no, no, no, no. Which, We're to be play. fair, that's how he earned his name. Harry Kane? Yeah. Link up play, straight in, right in, run into the box. No, but he yeah, was he never able to wide. do this. No, no, he, he was drift. never able to no, do this. He was never able to do this because now he's feeding as now. well. Yeah. Now, yeah. He, previously, he would lay it off and then just dart straight to the box, or maybe he'd go out wide and put a cross in. It was never this good, right? Yeah. You could say that. Yeah, no kidding. It's never been this good. He's never gotten this. He, bro, he went. I, I swear to God, I'm not lying. I could just be wrong, but I'm not lying when I say this. He has never registered a Premier League assist before this season. <laughs> and then now, this season, he's got already pretty much the exact goal involvement that he had all of last season in 11 games. And last season took him 30. He's got half of the assist record as a striker. Yeah. I mean, four of them came in one game, right? To, to Sun. Yeah. Against Southampton. Not to discredit that, but just like, you know, in terms of actual games played, four were in one game. Got a super hat trick of assists. But dude, if he goes out and gets, it just maintains this pace. Even if he drops off a little bit, as long as he doesn't have a staggering, you know, plummet of a season, he could very well break Henri's record. Mate, he's got 27 games left to do it. Yeah. 27. Ah, oh, dude. That's a problem. If he gets an assist every other game, that's it. Because that's he missed, he missed like all of last season. Yeah. Through injury. And now he's coming back like, I got to make up for, for it. And Most of the Tottenham squad missed the last season yeah, for injury. Exactly, yeah. They're so well-rested. They've had freaking 18 months off to, to find their chemistry. Speaking uh, of 18. Yeah, speaking, yeah. Of, speaking of 18 and speaking of chemistry, they've got it now. And it's like the, the system wouldn't be tolerated if they weren't winning, right? Because yeah. it's like, yo, you can't just sit back and have 20% possession and win. But Mourinho's like, bet. I'm going to just go. go. I'm going to counter. And he was like, take the whole ball. I'm going to take three points, like you said. <laughs> exactly. I don't need possession. I need to win. And we were talking about this a little bit last week, and we were say- or maybe a few episodes ago now. Uh, but we were saying, listen, Tottenham are doing a lot of things right. Part of it is that Mourinho finally has his Dembele <clears throat> and his Sissoko, which is the two parts of Pogba. And boy, are we going to talk about Pogba later in the episode. But he's finally got those two guys in his squad to do the roles that he wants, right? where he has, you know, Ndombele to go forward and, and produce that kind of silky, magnificent dribbling, but also he's full, he's bodied up, but he's so good on the ball. Like, it's, it's ridiculous how good he is on the ball, actually. And then defensively, Hoybier and Sissoko have been a, about as good a defensive par- partnership as you can get to protect a back line. And I was talking to, to Leah's brother, Diego, the other day, and he, he's, a, he's obviously a Tottenham fan. And I said, okay, right now, Spurs player of the season, who is it? And he said Hoybier. And I'm like, okay, obviously you're wrong. But, it, I mean, it goes to show there are actually Tottenham fans who believe Hoybier is the one who's been making this difference for them, right? Being He's, able to, yeah, to not have solid. to de- depend on Eric Dyer there or Harry Winks and say, no, 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 this is our aggressive pit bull. I'm going to foul you and play the short pass. Then next to me is the relentless physical runner who's going to just be that imposing presence is perfect to protect the back line. Yeah. It affords them the freedom that they have when they counterattack. It's similar. And they're so clinical. Yeah. It's similar to what you get or what you got with N'Golo Kante at Leicester, right? Everyone's saying, no, nah, it's Vardy, no, nah, it's Armares, it's, uh, it's whoever, and this, this, and that. But really, the unsung hero of that team was N'Golo Kante. And you could say the same for Hoiber. The guy is everywhere. Watching him against that Arsenal, against Arsenal, he was literally everywhere. They couldn't get past him. 
Um, and when they did get past him in the second half, to be honest, because they did have the large share of possession and chance creation in the second half, he would still mop up. He'd always win the second ball. He was the first to every challenge. And I didn't see him miss a 50-50. So here's the thing that I want to say. And I still, listen, you cannot take this away from what Tottenham have been able to do, right? Because they've essentially shut out three top six teams and Arsenal are horrible this season. Don't get me wrong. Like they're at what 14th. They can't win. They can't score. Yeah. They can't create chances. They can't do anything, but might you know, be in 15th right now, depending on what happened with Brighton. Right. But Spurs won't care about how poor Arsenal are, right? They're going to yeah. say, listen, we won the North London Derby. Suck it. And then the week before we drew against Chelsea, which obviously they would have liked to have won, but yeah. Tottenham troubled city because of the, connection between Sun and between uh, Kane. And obviously that's been a that's been a problem for every team in the league. But you don't have to you tell know, me. Looking at the <laughs> Arsenal game in particular, like listen, Arsenal are awful. They can't create any chances. So of course it's such an easy strategy for Mourinho to just say, yeah, we're gonna park because what are you gonna do? Like you have you don't even have a player who could split the you know the defense. And against City it was Hoybier who's frustrating uh, who was frustrating KDB because Kev wanted to play in the same kind of position, right? As the number eight spot there, whipping in his crosses as he does so well. And Hoybier is like, nope. Very I'm, much doing what Fernandinho was doing a couple of years ago. Just uh, mopping up. Just yeah, mopping up. I would say dangerous comparison only because Fernandinho, okay, so City play a little bit wild in their 4 3 3 sometimes, where it's like, you know, Klopp will attack with five, defend with five. Mourinho will defend with really 10, right? But realistically, when he's going forward, he just won't commit four players. Pep will commit like eight. (laughs) You know what I mean? And then it'll just be okay. Fernandinho, please protect these two number eights. And yes, absolutely. You know, in terms of the energy and the tackling and the passing, he was perfect for it. And now we're kind of, Rodri, I mean, has played every game. So that'll tell you all you need to know about how much Pep believes in him. But I don't know if Hoybier is doing the same kind of role only because Hoybier is playing in a base of two. Two, yeah. And Fernandinho is holding it down by himself, right? But so realistically, that being in said, that two. I understand the principle. Like, yeah. Hoybier is the one who's frustrating the opponents and who's, you exactly. know, who's st- stifling their creativity. And it's not always going to work. It will falter when Tottenham don't convert their chances and have to go out and try to take more of those chances. But for right now, when you have these two players who are right now PFA player number one, number two on the player of the year candidate list, obviously super early in the season, but I think I'm not wrong in saying that when they fall out of form and they can't convert, or if somebody gets hurt and X, Y, Z happens, blah, somebody blah, gets blah, COVID can happen. Right. Then you're going to see them having to take more risks if they want to take, you know, points and I don't think that they're going to be anywhere near as good in possession as they are out of it because like I said the only reason we are permitting them to play this way is because they're taking points Mm -hmm. under no circumstance is it permissible for a a big team right so a Tottenham trying to be a top six top four even contend club would it be like okay well you can you can win the league with 20% possession there's absolutely no chance but if you can win the games that you need to against the bigger teams and say, listen, I'm going to sit back, let you do your thing, and then counter you and win, then so be it. And then against the smaller teams, do you have the creativity to break them down because they're going to be parking the bus? Because, dude, you can't, you can't give West yeah. Brom 80% possession. No. 
Like no, like they'll just leave the ball in the center circle. It'll, and it'll be team two. It'll be two teams. Yeah, it'll be two teams right. who are leaving the ball just in the beginning of dodgeball. Right? It's like, yeah, um, it's someone like that, someone like Burnley. Yeah, they'll still be able to play the same kind of tactic against Leicester or Wolves and Southampton because those teams try to attack you and try to play football against you. Right. But against the uh, the smaller teams, yeah, you're definitely going to have to try and and pick through them, and then we'll see. But then what, that's what the where it looks like. That's where Ndombele plays such a huge role in it because. I think that he probably does have that creativity to to at least to at least press. And if Tottenham can find a way to invite pressure and then manage to counter those smaller teams, like the reason everything's working right now is because that Kane ball over the top for Sun is almost like a cheat. It's it's a hack because Kane's drifting into the space between where the center backs won't commit forward and the CDM can't stay so far back, otherwise the midfield's open, and then floating the ball over the top for Kane or excuse me, for Sun, who's way faster than all the defenders, right? Yeah. And he's just looping literally from the left center back to the right center back, making his way to the left side of the pitch and then, and then finishing. And he's great at it. But if you have a team who's going to sit deep, they're not going to get no offer them. The, they're not going to offer them that same chance to run in behind. There's just no way. Yeah, there's no space. You look at someone like um, David Moyes, for example, having just played them um, at West Ham. He's, he sits with a with a four and then a channel of five. So yeah, when he's right. attacking, they they flow a little bit more. They play, go into a three, four, three. But when he's defending, you're gonna have to break through a, a, a four and then a five. You know? So you're definitely gonna have to figure something out. And if their players can't stay out wide, if they can't create width against the teams that sit back and try to stretch them out a little bit, then then they might have some problems. And then we'll see what Tottenham are really like. And they've gotten through this period of City, Chelsea and Arsenal. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so we'll see, we'll see how that goes. Um, they did well against some of the bigger teams, but we'll, we'll need to see what they do against some of the smaller teams, like you're saying. And you know what? The big game I think will be against Liverpool and that's actually coming up pretty soon. And the reason I say that is because city, there was a time when I would say they attacked more with their wingers than they do currently. Now I think it's all about Kev trying to find those balls that obviously I mean why wouldn't you have that as your strategy but I think it's because we've lost a little bit of the faith in the in the wingers right it's not it's not the Sané Sterling connection anymore now it's like the Mares who's always going to cut in and look for the overlapping run and we just don't have a target man in the center but with Tottenham and the way that they're playing currently and they're set up to play in terms of defense if Liverpool are going to say hey Hoybier and Sissoko really aren't going to be doing very much because we're not going to play in those spaces we're going to play and attack your fullbacks and Tottenham's fullbacks are really good going in one direction not so much the other Mm. and so tell me a little bit about what you think how that how you kind of see Tottenham withstanding that test because I'm not entirely sure that I mean, we'll have to see, right? I mean, maybe they'll just invite the pressure the same way and say, okay, we're going to play actually with, you know, five defenders. We're going to play even more compact so that no matter what they do out wide, they can send in a thousand crosses. They will not breach this bank of the two center backs and the two CDMs. And then if they press high enough, then I don't see a reason why they can't do the same thing where Kane chips the ball in over the top, Sun runs in and finishes. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. So, um, I don't know, to be honest. I, I don't really have an answer for you at the moment. It's, I think Kane will have to learn how to... Well, I mean, I don't think he has to learn. He'll just have to adapt to playing against some of the other teams um, and just reach back into his locker and see what he's 
already been able to do in the past in the Premier League um, in terms of, you know, being that target man. And he's done it for the last few years. Um, the way that Mourinho has changed him and to be this link-up man and, and a false nine, uh, despite being so big, it's, it's impressive. But I think he shouldn't really forget how, how he made his name. And against some of those other teams, if they want to play the long ball to kind of cut through, um, let's say, the, the, two, the two stacks of four or two stacks of four and five, uh, kind of just loop it over, have him control it, and then link up the play, um, then maybe that's a way of doing it. But he's also going to have to go back to the way he was playing within tight spaces. Right, just quick one-two balls and and try and, and involve the other players in the team, but he's definitely gonna have to operate a little bit more in in the twelve-yard box and not drop so much so much too deep um, against some of the smaller clubs. Do you remember in the Tottenham doc when Mourinho sat Kane down and said, "I'm gonna make you a superstar. I'm gonna make you explode." Yeah, yeah. Obviously, it didn't really apply last season because Kane was injured for so much of it. But I think this is what he was talking about, right? In in Mourinho's history, he's always found a way for the, the system that he plays to make his most clinical forwards look really, really good. And it's because they're scoring all the goals. And so yeah. this season, I can kind of see why Mourinho said that. He's like, yo, listen, you're you're the you're the focal point of my attack. You're gonna finish you're gonna send it into Sun. And you're going to play off of him. And then the strategy is going to work perfectly. <laughs> and mm-hmm. for as long as it works, even if Spurs don't come away with the league this season, I still feel that Harry Kane will have elevated himself to a whole new level, right? Because now he's understanding that he is pretty much quickly becoming the greatest center forward in the game today. Not, not striker, but center forward, right? So if yeah. we can understand the difference between that, Lewandowski is the best striker. Harry Kane's the best center forward, right? Uh, Harry Kane enables the teams to play a little bit deeper, but still as the big man up top, right? And I think Harry Kane, and I want to talk about, I want to focus just on him for a second here. I want to ask you if you think that his time in the Premier League is coming to an end. I think with looking at Real Madrid, and we'll touch uh, on them with their recruitment a little bit in in later in the episode they're going to need to replace Benzema they're definitely going to need to replace him um, so they're probably going to look in the Canes the Mbappes you know it's kind of written in the stars for Mbappe to join Real Madrid at some point but Harry Kane for sure is going to be on Real Madrid and Barcelona's shortlist for strikers to replace Benzema and Suarez respectively so what I'll say about this, and we are going to have a whole little debate about Real Madrid after, is that I think Harry Kane, you remember I was saying in the last episode, the Madrid rebuild is coming, mm-hmm. but they're going to spend $500 million in a window and get a defender, a, a midfielder. I found the name of that midfielder, by the way, that I couldn't find last week, and two prolific forwards. And I don't know, should I give it to you now or should I hold it until a little bit later? Um, let's hold it. Let's hold it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We're going to make you wait for the good stuff, for the Real Madrid yeah. stuff. But you don't get into the main course now. Spoiler I think Harry Kane is on that list. And the reason I bring that up is because last season I would have said Harry Kane, I think, has one more season at Tottenham because he's in his prime now. And if he only has five years and he wants to be a guy who, has, who wins trophies, 
Tottenham isn't the place for him. But now he might be a little bit more invested in the Tottenham project, right? And I don't think Europa League is sufficient for a player of that caliber. No. But I also feel like if Spurs are legitimately contending for the for the Premier League, he might say, you know what? For all the, the stick that Mourinho gets, we're threatening now. And I love this club and I'm the captain and I could probably break all these records if I stayed in the Premier League. And as long as I have, you know, a legitimate chance at winning titles, I don't mind staying here. And I, can ne- I can't say it without laughing that Tottenham are going to legitimately contend for titles. It's just not in their nature. How could, we even, how could we say that? But I guess we'll have to have this conversation in about six months and see where we're at to decide whether or not Harry Kane, you know, re-ops with Spurs or decides to move on, either domestically, thing, like in the, yeah. in the Premier League, or uh, we're going to Spain. The one thing I will say is this, we don't have this conversation if Jose Mourinho is not in Tottenham. Because I don't think yeah. anyone pushes them, right? And even Harry Kane himself knows that this guy's not lasting more than three years. It's Ooh, it's Mourinho. Yeah. Oh, he's not lasting. More I thought than you three meant years. Kane. I'm like, uh, no, no, no. <laughs> the players themselves know that this is a short-term deal. I'll give him everything at the moment, and as long as it's going well, we might end up winning something. So if Harry Kane wants to win the Premier League at Tottenham, something that they've never been able to do and then move on to his bigger club. I don't think any of the Spurs fans will have anything to say to him. This is a guy that gave you right. some of his best years in his life and put you on the map in a lot of, a lot of these uh, seasons. Yeah, he messed it up in the Champions League final, but it wasn't up to him. He was coming back from an injury um, and then led you to a, to a Premier League under Jose Mourinho. And then that's when both of them leave the club. Yeah, um, and then, holding the and trophy together. Yeah, you don't need to sour your, your reputation, right? This right. is something that Dimitar Berbatov and Robbie Keane weren't able to provide when they were at Spurs. Um, you've done something that no one else has, able, has been able to do, leading the line at Spurs. You're, I think he's the captain now, right? Oh, yeah. Well, vice captain with, uh, with Lloris. But, I mean, let's be real. Who's, if yeah. they win the Premier League, it's not because Hugo Lloris. Exactly. So, go out on top, and there's no better way to, to do it. Yeah. Oh, so you think even if they win the league, he'll still move on? If I if I think if they win the league, he should leave. And if they don't, maybe give it another year, oh, or really? see how much money. Maybe see how much money is being given is thrown out. Yeah, right. Because yeah. if it's if it's like a okay, now we just need one more piece of the puzzle, and we figured Mourinho's like okay, I've recruited the guy that we need, and this is going to be the guy who's going to just complete the team to take us to a Premier League. Give me one more year, and then we'll both leave. That'd be cool. But if he does win the Premier League, do not stay. I'm, right. If I'm him, I'm going. Almost like the Kawhi situation, right? And we as, as Toronto yeah. people know that all too well. It's like, listen, buddy, thank you for the memories, but we hold no ill will towards Kawhi for leaving because you delivered the exactly. check, bro. That, you know, that's all we've ever wanted. Um, so let's stay in the Premier League, but shift our attention. And we'll come back to Harry Kane later in the episode, I promise. But let's shift our attention towards some news that broke today. Mino Raiola can't keep his big fat mouth shut. And now we have a problem at Manchester United. Now we have a problem. <laughs> like you guys don't have problems all the time. Now there's another problem at Manchester United. But I want you but to give me your specifically a Paul Pogba problem. Some absolute, some of problems have been solved. But constantly, the one thing that hasn't dropped is this. And I'll let you finish with where you were going with that. Yeah, I just want to tee it up. Uh, and I can tell by the resentfulness in your voice that you have a lot <laughs> to say about this. I want to ask you first and foremost, is this... Is this resentfulness that um, targeted towards Pogba specifically or the situation or 
Rayola? It's um, it's a little bit of all of the above, and I want to preface this little run that I'm about to go on here um, by saying I have nothing against. I have very little against the Paul Pogba, the player, the guy that's on the pitch. The thing I have against him is his consistency. At times, we've seen his world-class talent, but also at times, he's been garbage. But what I don't like is, and, and I've defended him for the past four years, because people were saying that he's just a flop at Manchester United. And I don't think he's been a flop. I think a lot of people don't give him some of the credit he deserves because of the stories that come along with it. And I think if you separate the stories and the circus that comes along with someone like that. And if you just forget the price tag for a moment and just look at the player, for the most part, he's done well. For the most part, he's a good player. I, not a world-class talent because to be world-class, you have to be consistent. He's not garbage. We know that. He's had garbage performances, but then again, everyone has. Um, so overall, he's been good slash great. And yes, that's not what we were expecting of him because we paid that money. But We've had these discussions before. Has it been the case that, you know, he had terrible, uh, terrible um, relationships with his, with his manager uh, in Jose Mourinho in, in his second year? Um, has it been the case that the team wasn't good enough? And for, for a lot of the, yeah. Um, but despite all of that, this was a guy who 18 months slash two years ago was being talked about for getting the captaincy of Manchester United. This guy who last season or two two years ago was by far the best player at the club because he had the most goals, the most assists, the most chances created, most passes completed, most blocks, everything like that, right? This was before Wan-Bissaka came. So he also had the most blocks and most interceptions. And he did that after Mourinho had gone and Solskjaer came in and he was reborn. So this is a guy who has given a lot of good performances and has grabbed games by the scruff of the neck before to turn them around. But it hasn't been consistent enough, and that's why people are frustrated. Because we see the potential in what this team can be if he just gives consistent 7 out of 10 performances. And last year, it's not, you know, to be honest, it's not fresh on our minds because last year he was injured for 95% of the season and he wasn't available, which is fine. You get that sometimes. Um, so it's, it's not fair to talk, talk about him last season. But I will say when he came back after his injuries and, and he was in lockdown, he did have good performances. He was regenerated as the guy who keeps the tempo of the game going when he, was, when he started playing with Bruno. Bruno was a creative guy. Matic or Fred or McTominay were just the destroyers. And he was, gonna, he was playing you know, the, the Carrick role of just keeping it ticking, right? Um, creating from deep, the pass before the assist, et cetera, et cetera. And that's something we haven't seen from him. And what I think a lot of people um, crucify him for is not doing everything. He's not, you can't expect him to be the destroyer, the defender, the guy who keeps it ticking, the pendulum of the team, uh, the metronome of the team, the creative guy, and the goal scorer as well, right? You, you don't get a Seydorf, a Lampard, and a Pirlo, and Zidane in one, in one guy. It just doesn't exist. And that's what people expected of him because he was the world record transfer fee. Now, having said that, and that's all the good stuff I like about Paul Pogba, the player who's on the pitch, the frustration in me is because of what comes with him. It's the circus. It's the constant talk. And make no mistake, Mino Raiola is the scum of the earth. Okay? Sir Alex Ferguson said that years ago. Okay? And we knew that already. But you don't hear Mino Raiola complaining about other agents 
or other clubs, or other um, other players that he manages, right? Ibrahimovic is his, is his player. Yeah, okay. Ibrahimovic has gone to more clubs than anyone in the world, but Ibra is kind of a separate a separate scenario. The guy deals with uh, Holland. The guy deals with Mkhitaryan. You never hear about stories from anyone else. Maybe that's just because they're not marketable and the people don't want to print this this news. But make no mistake, this guy is Paul Pogba's employee. Paul Pogba's brothers have not shut up about it since he came to the club. If you're Paul Pogba and you don't like what's being said about you by some people, you call him like, hey, mate, what the hell was that about? Why'd you say that? And then you come out and speak your mind, right? Paul Pogba has never said anything when he was at the club. Yeah, he said stuff when he was, you know, on international duty. And then, you know, that's another another discussion that I'm going to get to in a bit. Um, but when he's at the club, he's he said the things where it was like, I'm happy here. This is my team. This is my second home. Blah, 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 blah. I'm, you know, I'm excited to keep doing. I have a contract here. He said all that stuff. But at the same time, he's never gone against his agent. He's never gone against his brother. And those people don't say these things if they don't have his approval. They certainly don't keep it and redact it if he hasn't said anything. Right? Um, so that is the frustration. Just keep your mouth shut. If you're really happy, keep your mouth shut. Keep these people's mouth shut. Right? Put yourself to work. Put your head down. Start working. The guy's being shown up in attitude by Fred, by Scott McTominay, who didn't exist before he came in. And the whole discussion of, was the team not good enough? That can stop as soon as um, Mourinho got us back into the Champions League. It stops there. And yeah, you then start the argument of, was he just, was he just sour with Mourinho and, and the relationship was terrible? Well, why is that? Is it attitude? Is it they just were two big egos and you know that happens ibra and pep both had a clash and it happens before but at the same time you're running out of ways to defend him and i'm not trying to defend everything that he does as a person i'm sure he's a lovely guy but you're holding this club and you're saying the stuff that you're allowing them that you're allowing to be said about this club it's as if you're looking down at it and i don't care who you are you're not bigger than the club you're not allowed this freedom. If you're speaking about this, and this is my fear. My fear is that their weakness in Ed Woodward is just going to be to offer him an, an ex a contract extension. But to be honest, I'm sick of this headache. This guy, what, what I was saying with the, the excuse of, was the team not good enough? Well, if I show you the stats from a 47 million pound buy and then stats from a 90 million pound buy, and I tell you which one's Paul Pogba, you probably pick Bruno's stats. Right, Bruno's come in and he's shown his leadership qualities and he's absolutely shown him up. Where's the discussion of, oh, maybe the team around him wasn't good enough? And yeah, it probably wasn't, but it still isn't that much better around Bruno because we didn't sign a center mid or a CDM other than Donny van de Beek, who's another one. You think if, if Pogba was in Donny van de Beek's situation earlier this season and not playing, Mino Raiola would have had to would have shut up about it? No, you wouldn't have. I don't even know Donny van de Beek's agent's name. You know? You never hear about this stuff with anyone else. It's the lack of attitude from him, right? You don't hear about these problems with, with Bruno. The guy came in and he delivered everything that we thought Pogba would deliver. He's had a relationship with Martial when Rashford was injured. When Martial's dropped in form, he's had a relationship on the pitch with, um, with Rashford and now with Cavani. 
And he's absolutely yelling at everyone who needs to be yelled at when they're not putting in good performances. And that's the guy we thought we were buying with Pogba. And maybe that's unfair to him because maybe that's not him. But I'm sick of it. I'm sick of the circus, right? Like, if, you're, if you think that you're so much better than the club, just leave. Because I would rather have 11 people who are much worse than Paul Pogba but play like they want to be there than, a, than an asshole who doesn't want to be, right? I'm, it's, I love the player. I wish it had worked out and I wish it didn't end like this because I, I like the player. And, and I've said before that his performances in some of the games were incredible. And I will probably forever wonder what if it just worked if he had put in some attitude but you don't get to say the things that you said about the club or you don't get to allow people to say some of the things that they've said about the club if you're not going to put your head down and start working hard about it and it's four years now he's in his late 20s this is probably the last big contract he's ever going to get if he's not going to change and there's evidence to suggest that he won't change in terms of his mentality then you go and then you rebuild and I think my my understanding of the Bruno signing was this was the guy to replace Pogba. And it might be true because now they've signed Bruno and Donny van de Beek, who two players combined can probably do Pogba's situation. And if you buy just a world-class or a great CDM, then you've got your perfect midfield. You've got the guy who's just got nothing on his mind by creativity. You've got your destroyer CDM. Like if you sign maybe like a Wilfred Ndidi or something like that. And then you've got your van de Beek who's who's, you know, um, just going to keep it ticking and keep it moving. And it's the same situation that we were talking about uh, a couple weeks ago, or maybe last week, with Ndombele and and, uh, Sissoko. If you get two guys who can do, like, both complete each other to doing what Pogba can do, then that's much more worth it than having someone who doesn't want to play and yet claims he can do everything. And we've seen that he can do everything. But I'm sick and tired of the headache. Every time, every single transfer window every single international break it's always oh the, Pogba said this Didier Deschamps said that why is Didier Deschamps speaking <laughs> you know what I mean yeah and so there's so much to get into in what you just said because you've been talking a lot whether or not you know it for like seven minutes <laughs> but I told you literally as soon as I saw this post on Instagram I told you yeah we're talking I'm, about this I'm gonna run I'm glad you did you feel you got it off your chest because now I'm gonna I'm gonna throw some scenarios at you and, and go and for pick it. At it a little bit not to question you specifically, but to to find out a little bit more because I agree with a lot of what you said. Um, yeah. For one, where to begin? Um, okay, so for one, here's the thing. Here's my position on the Pogba on the Pogba situation. Obviously, at the time, it was an absurd amount of money to pay for a midfielder, right? Now that being said, you spent the money on what a 23 year old? Was he 23 when he joined? If not 24? He wasn't older than 24. Yeah. He wasn't older it's than been 24. Eight, yeah. It's been eight years and he's like 27, 28 now. So yeah, it's around right. there. And he was coming off a, a massive season with Juve. One that quite frankly, he just hasn't been able to replicate. Now, here's the thing. It was this big homecoming story because he came back to United where he was a, an academy player and yada, yada, yada. And they're like, okay, well, this dude is tearing up the Serie A and he can do it here. Okay. The tempo of the Serie A is way slower and when Pogba has time on the ball even in the Premier League when people don't press him he's 10 times better because that's he can take his time and and make the pass absolutely yeah so I feel like the intensity and the press of the Premier League doesn't suit his style of play at this moment 
because I feel like the league is becoming dependent on players who are press proof because so many clubs, the good ones anyway, are pressing you constantly. And the thing is, with Pogba, as good as he is in possession, when he has time on the ball to pick out his long pass or to, you know, when people aren't pressing him and he can surge forward and then once he gets momentum, then he can start to glide. And when he is doing that in full stride, it's like, it's it's Yaya Toure-esque. It's, and mm-hmm. Yaya is, you know, my favorite player. And I think that was a big comparison because when Yaya came back, or excuse me, when Pogba came back, it was right around the time of Yaya wearing this jersey right here, which was 20 goals, nine assists, you know, PFA player of the year, Yaya, quite frankly. Okay, even if he didn't win it, but damn, you deserve to. Pogba now is the 28-year-old, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. who has been just the, the center for drama in the for the team for the last how many years? And he looked good at times, and he looked bad at times, and I agree with you 100% when you say that. I disagree with you saying that he just needs to be the guy to give the 7 out of 10 performances. I don't think that's what you need your Pogba to be. I think Pogba is the guy who you build your team around and figure out how to make it work. And if the fact of the matter is it just doesn't work because he's not the press-resistant guy who you need and you can't, because of the style of the league and the opposition that they're facing, you can't unlock him because his style of play doesn't suit that game, then he's not your guy. And it's just a shame that it took this long to figure it out. But yeah. that doesn't mean he can't still be a massive success elsewhere, right? That doesn't mean that if you put the right team around him, he can't still be a, a, a massive success. And I don't mean that in the sense that put better players around him. I mean players that complement his attributes a little bit better. Like what right? he does for fronts, right? Sure. So let's say hypothetically, and this is pick number two for the Real Madrid talk a little bit later. Let's say you have a guy like Casemiro next to him. Mm-hmm. Casemiro says, you're a big physical guy. I'm a big physical guy. I'll be the physical defender. you be the physical attacker. Go. In a league where he has a lot more time on the ball. Well, now we got big boy Paul back again, right? And I agree with what you're saying about the, the amount of pressure that you guys have put on him has been, you know, to carry the club, right? It's been, you're the guy. Right. And maybe it's just not in him to do that. Now, the thing is with the Bruno comparison, and and I do feel the need to say this, I rate Bruno Fernandes and I have rated him for many, many years as a Portuguese man to another Portuguese man. Do do me a favor. Do yourself a favor. If you are a Bruno Fernandes fan and you say, I rated him since he was at sporting, doesn't count. Of course you rated Mm -hmm. him. You like I saw this thing the other day saying, oh, it was from 2019. It was some dude who's like, look. I, I've been saying I rate Bruno since 2019. But yeah, not that they, long don't know, they don't know where he played before he went to Sporting. But not only that, it's like, that, dude, that's not that long ago. That was one year ago. Yeah, yeah. I should hope so. Like, he was a damn good player then. I'll be honest he, with you. That's when I heard of him when he was at Sporting and he was putting up insane numbers. Yeah. That's when I heard of him. He's just been doing that for Sporting for a few years. He was Sporting's yeah. captain. He wasn't Juve's captain. He wasn't the leader there. He has that leadership trait and he's older than Pogba is too. Yeah. And... To say that, you know, he's deliver Bruno is delivering everything that you wanted Pogba to deliver, I can I can understand it because it's in, in terms of offensive output, but they're not the same player at all. Absolutely like, not. by any stretch. And not to mention the expectation of Bruno was never to do as many things. And I'm not saying that this is what you said, I'm just saying in general, the expectation of Bruno was never to do anywhere near as many things as they wanted Pogba to do. Mm-hmm. As Pogba being a massive dude, it was you have to play as one of the number sixes because you're a big guy. And Pogba was probably like, well, I kind of want to get forward. And they're like, well, you can't play 10 because we already got a 10. And, and we just don't see you being that kind of figure because 
you're too much of a physical specimen to be wasted in a role that that really doesn't provide any defensive coverage, especially because he's not much of a runner. And in nowadays game, you need your tens to press. Otherwise, there's you don't play with a ten, right? Look how many teams don't play with with a ten anymore because. But to be honest, I don't think he wanted to play in a ten. He was probably he's no, I don't think so either. Midfield three, exactly. Left side of midfield three, just like he was at Juve. But United haven't been playing that ever. Like <laughs> uh, no, Mourinho did. Mourinho did. Mourinho played a midfield three with him. Even when when Oli came in first and he was playing with yeah. Pogba, Herrera and Matic, he played a midfield three. I'm I meant more bef- like it when he initially got there, not so much yeah. in his in his stint of of his bestness, but initially when he got there, that really wasn't the focus of. You know, you, it was more how can you fit our system, not how we can put our system around you. And so now here we are four years later and we're with Paul Pogba and we say, okay, Paul, you know, oh, the other thing was the haircuts, right? Every, every game he has a new haircut, which is just like when your performances are great, no one's going to say anything. But when your performances aren't, or at least aren't living up to the expectations that we want you uh, to be at, the fact that you're getting a haircut every other game instead of training is, is frustrating for them too. Anyway, now here we are in the situation where his agent's saying, listen, this is the end of Paul Pogba. I think I, as an outsider looking in, not as a, a Manchester United fan, because I'm not, but as an outsider looking in, I don't know if I would say the Paul Pogba time at Manchester United was a success. I think that you guys wouldn't be so eager to move him on. And I get wanting to escape the drama for sure, but I think the drama is a big part of it. He was the scapegoat for everything wrong at United for a long time. And the fact that he never quite fit in and you really couldn't get the best out of him most of the time. Sometimes you did, right? When Ollie first came in and seemed to have unlocked him, that worked out great. Not since then has he been looking like the same player, even when they brought in a player of his caliber in Bruno Fernandes to try to link them up. Now, with that being said, if we're going to say, okay, Pogba's going to leave this summer, even Jan- I don't think it'll be January, but hypothetically in the summer, what do you do now? What's the next player to bring in to replace Pogba? Because now you need a six and another player. Is that player, how would you, I'll ask you this because I have my own opinions, but I want to hear from you. How would you tweak the system once Pogba's gone? What would you do? I think um, currently our best, I'll I'll answer this by going on a little bit of a side note. Our best uh, when he's fit, when he's fresh, number six is Matic, just because of how much better quality no, of no, a footballer he is than Fred. No, no, no. I mean, make signings. Like I know. Just I'm I'm going on I'm going on a, on a spin here, which okay. is why I I prefaced it by saying that. Okay. I think the first player you cha- you you replace is Matic. I think the first player you re- you replace with him. I for me, perfect signing would be Wilfred Ndidi. Right. And I then, actually have a better name for you. Who is it? And the reason, and I don't want to interrupt, is just that. I, every United fan will say Ndidi, and I just don't see it happening. I just don't think that Leicester are going to do it unless it's for 100 mil, and you're just not going to pay yeah. that for a six. My boy, who City have been linked with too, Dennis Zakaria of Munch mm-hmm. Gladbach, is a speedy recovery guy. Yeah. N'Golo Kante-esque. That's your guy. Yeah. Yeah. And to be honest, he was... Um, I, I read his name today because you sent me the City thing, the, the Dream City lineup, and I was like, oh, okay. Um, he, could, he could be another, another name further for the list. Um, for me, I'd go with that first just to make sure that we have the defensive midfielder blocked. And then my starting midfield would be Bruno, Van de Beek, and 
whoever we sign as an as the destroyer number six. Okay, After I'm that, glad you said that. Where would you put them, Bruno and, and Van de Beek, respectively? How would you line them up? I play eights, with one ten, one six. What would you do? To be honest, I don't think it matters that much. I think if you put Bruno in an eight, he's still going to flow forward and play as a ten. And when he's playing at a ten, he goes out left. He goes out to the left. He goes out to the right, and that that enables whoever Edison Cavani or Rashford to be fluid. So I think if you put Bruno, you just give him a free roll, and then you build the team around him, and then you make sure that you have the reinforcements in the back to do that. And we've seen Donny Donny can do that because he did it against Leipzig. He did it against uh, some of the other teams. I can't remember. I think he did it against Everton as well. Um, let him play like a Michael Carrick. Michael Carrick was never a, a destroyer number six. But he was the guy who played the one-touch football and cut the passes through um, through the, the channels to find someone who would be able to create, like a Wayne Rooney or whoever. And that's kind of where I see Donny van der Beek playing. I don't see him as a number 10, and I don't see him as a number 6. I see him somewhere in the middle as an 8, who, first of all, his mind is to not defend don't allow people to pass through the channels just just by running around, right? And and that's blocking off passing lanes. And when you get the ball, the first thought is to play forward. Same thing that Michael Carrick was doing. He's very talented. His, he's got a great IQ or footballing IQ, and he sees the game really quickly. And I like that about him. And that's how you play it. You don't play him as, as a number six. Um, and I think in the Ajax team, Frankie de Jong was playing as a number six. Whereas Donny was doing that same job, but also floating a little bit higher forward. Donny was a 10 like in that Bruno, team. Yeah, but when you have someone like Bruno, you're not going to replace him. So can I offer you a suggestion? Here's what, here's, I would I'd just, love to. I'd love to hear funny. your thoughts about it. I was actually discussing this with Graham, who's a Manchester United fan, actually just before we started recording this, so not long before mm-hmm. this. And he and I were actually talking about exactly this. And, and he said, uh, he said he would have essentially exactly what you're saying. Van Beek playing that role next to the CDM with Bruno at the 10. I would actually flip it. And I'll let that resonate for a second because some of you might be like, well, why would you have Bruno playing deep? We've seen Bruno playing deeper. I, I see Here's where you're going thing. with this, but I'll let you explain. Bruno. So my question is, is Bru- who are your press-proof midfielders? Okay, Meaning who can absorb pressure and not make a mistake? I know I that Bruno can do that. Yeah. I don't know that Donny van der Beek can do that. And to be fair, I'm not even saying that he can't. I'm just saying I don't know that he can because I haven't seen him do that. At Ajax, he was a 10. And for United, he just hasn't played a whole lot of minutes doing that. I think what we know right now is that Bruno has the passing capability and the press-proof resistance, not to mention the fact that he's really not a relentless runner. He'll work very hard. Don't get me wrong. But he's not pressing. He's not sprinting all the time. He's, he's concentrated. And given that, I think that's kind of the perfect guy to pair next to, you know, your number six. Very Thiago, you know, Goretzka-esque at, at, at Bayern, right? Where you have your destroyer six, and then you have your silky playmaker from deep. And the reason I say that is because you guys might not know this. Donny van de Beek is unleashed at the 10. And the reason yeah. is that he is a relentless runner who floats into spaces uh, that he finds. His one He's touch passing is spaces. his one touch passing is brilliant, and if he is a presser rather than a press C, then I don't see the need to force him to be the six. If yeah, and you're right, he'll probably you know be good with, it. and he could probably learn it. Right, he's young, 
But Donnie's best position is a 10. And although Bruno's is two, probably, Bruno has more elements to his game that can have him be a deep-lying playmaker than Donnie does at this time. Whereas Donnie at the 10 would embrace his best characteristics, which is relentless running, trying to score, getting into the box, finding spaces, one-touch passing. Like, all these things are things that Donnie does really well that we know for a fact that he does. And I don't really agree with trying to convert him into a deep-lying playmaker when you already have a player who can be that right now. I will largely agree with you, but I will kind of half agree, half disagree on one point and then disagree on another point. So, yep. um, and I think that's the point of this, right? It's just a chat. Absolutely. About, 100%. Yeah. So Bruno It'd be boring if we agreed on it. He's relentless, to be honest. He's a relentless presser. He's always the one that is yelling at Rashford and Greenwood to press higher up the pitch. And he's definitely pressing, but I agree with you. Um, Donny van der Beek is just younger. He's got more energy and his footballing IQ will permit him to fo- float into spaces when he, when he has the opportunity. I may have misspoken there because I did not mean to come off saying that, that Bruno is not hardworking. Bruno is a captain and a leader and absolutely will lead the charge by any means necessary. I mean, he physically doesn't have those running legs. Yeah. Not that he doesn't have the stamina because he does, but in terms of actual speed to press, mm-hmm. Donnie's faster. And if Bruno, if you can take that away from Bruno and have him lead, like in terms of, you know, rah, 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 and run around with another six, then that would be better for recoveries. But I, sorry if, I, if that was misunderstood. I did not mean to say that Bruno is not a relentless yeah, worker because yeah. he absolutely is. Yeah. Leads from the front. So right. the other point that I half agreed, half disagreed with is um, I think you can turn Donnie into like I keep saying, the Michael Carcaro. And the reason I keep saying that is because who's the coach at the moment? Right. You know? Who's the coach yeah. at Manchester United? It's Michael Carrick. And if you want to learn from someone to become, you know, if, you, if you're trying to emulate <laughs> someone, who best to go to than that guy himself? Right. Right? The guy who's, who played a midfield three with, you know, Skulls, Owen Hargreaves, and himself. That midfield three is not exciting as soon as until you finish Paul Scholes' name, as long as uh, right, as soon as you yeah. say the second <laughs> S, it's not that exciting because you're like, How the hell is this a creative midfield? Right, but it is because none of them are defensive and none of them are completely attacking, mm-hmm. they all complement each other in some way. Scholes was never the, the, the number 10 that we know now, um, and Michael Carrick was never the six that we know now, right? And you just had Owen Hargreaves, who was just an engine and and kept it ticking kind of like a Tony Cruz now. And yeah. I think that's Tony Cruz, to be honest, was doing his role at Bayern Munich when Owen Hargreaves left Bayern Munich. Um, however, Michael Carrick is very noticeable when he's not playing. It's very noticeable what he's doing when he's not on the pitch. And I think you can turn Donny into that. And to be honest, when I say that you can play him as the deeper eight, that's not to say that he's not going to float in and, and Bruno's right. going to drop deep, right? It's like you're... It's like you're Ball playing center back in Rio Ferdinand and your destroyer in Nemanja Vidic. When one of them goes forward, the other one slots back and, and they know they can communicate. So if Bruno's going deep to be in, in and around the box and finish chances like we know he can, Donny's going to drop deep. But when Donny's pushing forward, they're going to drop deep. And you right. know that they don't have a problem in communication right. because they're both, they're both constantly speaking on the pitch. So it's not to say that one of them has a fixed role, but it's a much more fluid midfield which is why i want a destroyer number six Absolutely. because if you're gonna have two eights 
slash tens slash half sixes. You need so, someone whose sole job is to just sit there and protect the back four. So these new age midfielders are are the hybrid types, right? They're the they're yeah. they're the in betweens of tens and sixes. Uh, but I've been quoted saying I really don't want my tens to be sixes, and I don't want my sixes to be tens. I want mm-hmm. I like having the defined responsibility. That being said, hypothetically, because what we're describing here is essentially just which guy we think should be in which of these two roles. But we agree that these are the two roles that need to be having. Yeah. Both of them can do it probably pretty well. It's just a matter of which guy you want where. What if we shift the triangle so that it's not two and a one? Instead, it's a one, one and a two, two, where it is a six and two eights. Very, very how city play. Four three three. Yeah. Four three three. Boy, you better have a damn good number six if you're going to be doing that, though, right? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Where so because the whole reason was you cannot lose, you can't afford to lose the whole balance in the squad, and your center backs aren't good enough <laughs> to be playing with one CDM, right? So how would you spin that and say how could United defend with this team if you're going to play an attacking four three three, which is a six and two eights with center backs who aren't great to be quite honest I'm glad you know you said that they're you know by an athletic center back i'm hoping that's right. when zabi and Bayi can save us the money but they can't get fit, they can't keep fit um because really twan zabi is just a day over mccono but he's english right he's just i'm well, sure he's nowhere take, near as good to be but fair. i'm sure that's what i was that's what i was leading to right the only time we've seen twan zabi of a full season was at villa in the championship where right. he effectively just solidified their back four i'm certain if you put Axel Twanzebe in Leipzig's system, he will flourish just as much as Upamecano if he can stay fit. I'm, I think they're very similar in terms of their talent and their physicality. And it's just about getting minutes in the Champions League and in the league constantly. Every single, every single game he's playing, right? And, and I think that comes with it. And whether he's as good in terms of um, talent-wise is can then be disputed when he has a full season but i i don't think it's a fair comparison right. at the moment well that's and just I'll, I'll concede the point but Makano is by far uh better at the moment because we've seen what he can do across multiple seasons we've never seen that from Tonsebe yeah. unless it was in the championship and that's the only thing you can point to but it, i know the i know his potential from watching him in the academy and i've seen enough of upamecano to say that if if this guy's given the chances that he was given in terms of minutes and consistency and playing every week in, week out, he's going to be nearly there, if not as good. Yeah. Is and that, at that point, you don't need to spend the money. It's, it's tough to say, man, because is that a risk you want to take? Do you want to put the faith in, uh, in Upa Meccano 2.0, right? In, in Axel no. Twanzebe. And you the, buy Upa Meccano and then you play Twanzebe next to him and then that's your center back partnership. You have two, that's you where have I was going with it. Tupa Meccanos. <laughs> Tupa Meccanos. Exactly. And and currently we have Tupa Meccanos, but they're both injured Meccanos. Yeah, it's exactly. Eric Bailly and, and Axel Twanzebe. And, and that's what I'm saying. I hope that they can save us the, the money that we are going to have to spend. But it's, it doesn't seem likely. So move Eric Bailly on. By Upamecano yeah. or whoever it is, and then you know switch between them. It's Upamecano and and Harry Maguire one week, and then you yeah, and then Tonzebe and whoever next week. It's tough to 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 argue that that is um, you know Axel Tonzebe's potential only because we haven't seen enough of him, and we have seen a, a lot area. of Upamecano, yeah. and he's great. Like he's really 
really, really good. And if which is why I'll concede, he's by far the better option at the moment. Like he's better now, and his his ceiling's way higher. But that's only because what we've seen of Ubumakano has not disappointed us. Whereas Twanzebe is constantly injured. So how can we? And what we've seen from him hasn't been the same. But how could you? How could it be? Because he hasn't had the same minutes uh, yeah. to prove it, right? But let's remember, this guy kept Neymar and Mbappe quiet in their backyard after being out of the team for months, probably a year, right? right. And yeah, you're going to get those those performances and probably his um, week-in, week-out performance isn't going to be as good uh, because he's going to face other other attributes. But this guy's got the pace. He's clearly athletic. To keep someone like Neymar quiet, you have to be smart defensively um, because you need to know when to get close to him, when to stay away from him. Um, and obviously with the help of Wan-Bissaka, they were able to to keep them fairly quiet. But if he can stay fit, I'm excited about him. But it's a big if. You know, it's funny. You've actually touched on uh, all four names, believe it or not, <laughs> that I was going to bring up in the Madrid segment. I think that's that kind of makes us the perfect time to segue. Last week, I spoke about how Real Madrid were going to unleash hell in one of these transfer windows. They were going to come in guns blazing and say, here's 500 mil. We are buying out the best players. Everyone. And we're going, to, we're going to come back and win the Champions League again. Yeah. And the league. Especially with a declining Messi. Don't get me started. I have those names now. I now know. I, I took some time. I thought about it. I know exactly which four names. Four names. Prolific names, by the way. Madrid could and should and probably will buy to make them the dominant force that we know them to be. You ready? I know Mbappe's one of them. Mbappe's number one. I was going to start with four, but sure, Mbappe's number one. Sure, let's go one down the list. Killing Mbappe, obviously, right? Is Nothing there even a said. moment? <laughs> right. Is there even a moment? Now, since our discussion last week where we said Zizou's on the chopping block, Madrid have come out and said, no, he's not. We understand that these are difficult times. We are not going to blame Zidane. We understand and appreciate what he can do for us because he's shown us with three Champions Leagues. And just because the squad is injured right now and we don't have the players that he needs to thrive does not mean that we're going to put him uh, on the hot seat. I respect that. Unlike Barca, who literally can't afford to fire the manager <laughs> because they don't have a president. Yep. They, don't, they just have an interim president who can't fire him. And they literally can't afford to pay him the severance because he's supposed to have a two-year contract. That is funny as a Madrid <laughs> fan and just as a general. Like, that's funny. That's funny. They literally can't do anything about it. Kuman could lose every single game and they couldn't afford to fire him because they don't yeah. have a guy to fire him until January. And then even then, any money that they made would have to go towards firing the man. Yeah. <laughs> so funny, dude. And what a Messi's terrible wages. situation. Yeah. And Messi's wages. Anyway, number one, obviously Mbappe. Mbappe would probably, you know, uh, love to play under Zidane. So... There's a whole other reason not to not to get rid of him. And everything about it's almost it's almost silly. It sounds like you know when you have guys who really don't know a sport very well who talk about a sport, and they give you like the most rudimentary comment. It's ESPN FC, yeah, just terrible analysis because it's, it's like, like yeah, yeah, Mina, no. who do you think is the greatest hockey player of all time? Uh, I don't know, but I really like the Wayne Gretzky. I think he's an up and coming player. Right, like just the the it's almost silly to to talk about because it's like it's so such a basic level of analysis that mm -hmm. you're like, come on, man. Like come you got to give me something more than this. I feel like I can't even bring up a point that would be an interesting one as to why Mbappe should go. I think we all know, right? Yeah. I think we could leave it at that. I, I don't think the CR there, seven, there's replacement, no need. I'll just say that right. hundred goals and 139 system. appearances just in the league. So that's right. 
and I, and I think that that's all you need to say. He's the direct, extremely fast, ridiculous dribbler with the insane finishing that you need probably to replace Ronaldo. But hold on a second. Madrid play with a 4-3-3 and a false nine. Benzema's aging and getting injured a lot. Who can we sign to replace? Lost your mind back. Very, very Mind's back, guys. Let's think for a second. Real Madrid need a new center forward. Who's the best center forward in the world? I said it earlier in the episode. Mina, who's the best center forward in the world? Uh, is it Ronaldo, R9? Currently. Fat Ronaldo? Um, no. hmm, let me think. Hmm. <sighs> I'm going to have to go with Harry Kane, to be honest. I think it's, he's a really good option. It's, it's Harry the Care Bear. Harry <laughs> Kane is, without question, the best, the best center forward in the world right now. Purely as a center forward. And when you have a system like Real Madrid that, that has two very attack-minded wingers being fed the ball by a deep-lying number nine, who can also go out and get you your goals. But that's not really... I mean, and Kane can get you goals. But if Kane has this side to his game where he can make things happen, that's it. Imagine Harry Kane... Against La Liga defenses as well. So we've seen Harry Kane play balls over the top for, for his son, who's no slouch, and he's a, he's a ridiculous finisher. Imagine it's Mbappe. <laughs> It's unfair. There's no discussion to be had here. Imagine it were Mbappe. Come on, come on. There really isn't. There really isn't a discussion to be had here. There's no discussion. Like it's no. There's there's no reason for us to, you know, crack down and reinvent the wheel. No. And come up with new ways to describe this. It. There's literally nothing that needs to be said. And the funny thing about this is that we're talking about it like it's a hypothetical, but this is gonna happen. (laughs) Like this is what Real Madrid are gonna do. Whether we like it or not, and I don't mind it. It's it's like watching but the Avengers and and watching Thanos rip through the universe and just collecting stones, and you're trying to tell yourself that it's not going to happen, it's not going to happen, and right. then it just snaps and everything dies, and you're and like, you're like, okay, I I saw this coming, but I really didn't want to believe it. <laughs> yeah, and as a fan of literally any other team wanting to win the Champions League or see somewhat of a competition, this is terrifying. But wait, there's more. <laughs> Call now, and we'll throw in number three. Boom, Paul Pogba. Last week, I couldn't think of a prolific midfielder who I thought Real Madrid would pursue. And you said Alwar, and I said, no better, but I can't put my finger on who it is. It's Pogba. It's Pogba. Pogba has to replace Madrid. Especially now, Mino Raiola has screwed us because he said it's done, so you can't even ask for money for him. You're going to get lucky if they give you 50 million. No, no, he'll get more than that. 60. I don't think so. His contract expires in 2022. Okay, 60. Great. Thanks Thanks for the extra 10 million. It's 10 million, bro, but 50 and 60 is a big difference. Come on. And agent fees. Yeah. That extra 10 yeah. will just go to Mino. <laughs> yeah, literally, right? Like, it's not coming to United. And it's, he's absolutely screwed us with this. And it's like, yeah, okay. But he's, he's going. So but we the know t- that. The time sure. has come. Like, it is now time for that to happen. And we've talked about it a lot over the, couple, over the last few years about when is Pogba going to make that transition? And United kind of look like his home now. You know, if he resigns, he'll be there till he's 30 something. He just won't go. I don't think you can rule out Juventus in that discussion, though. I don't know if they can afford his well, wages, you, you but I don't yeah. think you can rule him out. And I, I think if the I, only I situation Madrid, I see yes. him, yeah, I think it'll be Madrid as well. But I think the only situation I see Juve getting Pogba is if they move on Cristiano. Or Dybala. Or Dybala. Yeah. Right. Like if because they, can... they can't keep all three. No, they have to move on some, some wages, some players. They have to clear space in the midfield, quite frankly. Like, exactly. what are you going to do? Offer Manchester United Aaron Ramsey? Probably not. Right. Like, who, who you know, Bernadeschi, maybe I get like there's no one who United really need from the list. 
Right, but I mean, like for like <laughs> swap, they're trying to clear room in their midfield yeah. and not take your pick at our at our prospect defender. Um, so that's number three, and then number four, we talked about in the United's backline dream. It's Upa McConnell, and I was mm-hmm. thinking, who's the defender who I think they're going to go out and sign? It's him. He's yep. just it's become easy. way French. too good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got the he'll play next to Varane. He's Ramos is going to be thirty seven next year. Like you can't keep dep- and don't get me wrong. Ramos is the leader and is the leader yeah. of the squad and he will be you know, sorely missed when he leaves. But if there's a guy to replace him, I think a guy with maybe not the, the same fierce leadership and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're going to go get someone in Spain to kind of emulate that, that Spanish heritage and, and embodies Madrid a little bit more. I just think that Upamecano is becoming too good to ignore. And he, when he moves on, it has to be to another top club. And if Real Madrid say, listen, you're the guy. You're probably better right now than Militao is. You're probably better than Nacho is. We need somebody who has great passing accuracy. Check. Who can hang with really fast opposition. Check. Athletic. Check. Strong. Strong. Check. What about potential for leadership? Check. And he's Defending 20. IQ. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like defensive awareness. Uh, he's got all. He's got all the traits. Strong aerial ability. Right. Like this is your guy. Dude, and should we keep going? Yeah. What else do we have to say about him? <laughs> I mean, three well, you must think of highly of Axel. You must think <laughs> you must think really highly of Axel. To but I do, and that's the thing. I know his talent, and I know where he can be. Right. But I think, and I strongly believe, if that year loan at Les- at uh, Villa wasn't at Villa, but it was somewhere in Germany, I strongly believe that he would be probably the name right after Upa Meccano, right? Like top level, world class is Upa Meccano. Who can I get that's going to be cheaper, but is going to offer me the same stuff? Upa Meccano-ish. Yeah, Upa Meccano-ish. Exactly. <laughs> Upa Meccano. We're making up so many terms, so many yeah. names for this guy. Anyway, I, I think that... Three quarters of that back four is French. You got well, Fulham, that... you got yeah, Varane, and you've got Upa Meccano. Bro, that's France, France's back of, four. Think of France's like, defensive options over the years going forward. Like all of Leipzig's back line is pretty much French. Paul Most of the right backs are at Bayern. If they ever, if they ever <laughs> decide to call up uh, Laporte, who I think is just going to become Spanish, who's just like, yo, I, this guy's better than probably every other French defender, and he's like, they're like, nah, not interested, not interested <laughs> in the best, the best left-sided left center back who's uh, who has the best passing. And people sometimes think, oh, well, are you salty? They're not getting call-ups. No, I don't want any of the city players to get call-ups. I want them all to stay home Especially so they don't get injured. Especially if he's very injury prone. Yeah. Why would I want him to play? Stay back. God, stay back. You're going to train. You're not going to get injured. I love that he doesn't play for France. Are you kidding? It's the best. Hmm. Maybe maybe they go and try to get Laporte. Oof. That would suck. Yeah, that would suck. I'd be pissed. But hey, that's another really, really good shout for... But he's too injury prone. Anyway. But maybe then you go and get Open McConnell. There it is. We figured it out. We're going to play some, uh, some defensive shuffle here. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I think that has to do it. Uh, uh, should we wrap on that? Uh, probably, right? I mean, six episode number 65, we've gone for over an hour. We end on Madrid, who are going to make that happen. Let's see. What are the transfer fees? 150 for Kane, 250 for Mbappe. <laughs> then about another, 60, 50, 60 for Pogba. And for Upamecano. So that's what? That's about 500 mil, right? Yeah. There Which, you, go. you know, they will do. Not to, And they, didn't, they, they made 100 mil last season just in terms of signing uh, or selling people. They could probably yeah. move on a couple of people to, to create some money too. I don't think FFP would be too involved. Let's do it. I'm here for it. Come on. That'd be so exciting. Yeah. Let's do it. I don't think they'd be too involved because some of that money would go straight to them. But, you know, that's a different discussion. <laughs> Man, Barca are just going to sit there like, oh, damn, we should have done that. Yeah. Damn, we got no money. Literally. 
in terms of to quote Gru, in terms of money, we have no money. <laughs> <laughs> I am once again asking for your financials. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, everybody, we hope you enjoyed episode number sixty-five of the Jersey Wall Podcast, brethren. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Pleasure as always. Next time I talk to you, next episode, you're going to be recording remotely, won't you? Well, I mean, more remotely than this. but Remotely on the other side of the world, yes. Remotely on the other side of the world, yeah. Through the magic of internet, I'll be talking to you guys from the land of Mo Salah. Ooh, and we can't wait. Yes. Very excited to to hear you can tell us. I'm going to just throw to you, like uh, Ollie and Family Guy. What's the weather like, Edith? It's hot. Thanks, Mina. <laughs> uh, just by the way, the next episode will be exclusively in Arabic for all my speakers. Oh, boy. Well, it's okay. I can only, you know, I can write Arabic, but that's about it. So I'll have to yeah. transcribe it. I'll just write down words. I'll hold them in front of the camera. You can say it in English and in Arabic, and then it'll be a long episode. Exactly. <laughs> be four hours with me just drawing symbols. <laughs> Did I do anything? <laughs> anyway, we hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, episode number 65 of the Jersey Wall Podcast. Brethren, thank you as always for being with me. Thanks again. Pleasure. Guys, hope you enjoyed the wall. If you are new to the show or if you really like the show, please leave us a review, leave us a rating, leave us a comment. Tell us what you like about the show. Challenge us on something. We would love to discuss with you guys uh, at the Nathan Santos at, is it Mina F. Gali? Dot nine eight? Uh, I think it's Mina dot Gali 98. Ah, damn. I was close. You were damn close. Give you us, got my email though. shout, guys. All right. Give us a shout, guys. Uh, thanks again for listening. Share it with your friends. We love you. Take care, everybody. See ya.